podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Not So Nina Kowser Show Die Drinkle Edition Volume 3 or 4. I can't remember what we're up to now, but hey ho. I'm here to talk about a goddamn win. And seemingly I've got my regulars with me, Dave. We've went from not speaking to each other ever to now every other day. Hello. Uh, We're like besties now, aren't we, guys? So, yeah, but this time we get to really fucking indulge in something great rather than a bit of group therapy and a fucking late equaliser or something. So good to speak to you, mate. It is, it is. It's, it's finally, finally a proper win because the Southampton one was a bit boring. So now we actually have something fun to talk about as well. And joining me is Sam, who, I mean, when I used to do free tie pods all the time, I think I spoke to him more than my family, but it's been a little bit of a break between, I think it was a Leeds game last time we spoke, but Sam, how are you doing? Very good, mate. Yes, I, I do speak to you more than I speak to my own mother. That is true. Um, yeah, absolutely buzzing, mate. What's that? Seven years we've been waiting for a win at Old Trafford. Even when we were 10 times better than them, we couldn't mm. even get that win at Old Trafford. So football's a funny old thing sometimes. And uh, when things are turned on its head, that's when we get the bloody win. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean... We'll get the ball and stuff out of the way. Let's start with the team. And Sam, I'll stick with you. We obviously were meant to play this game, I think it was 10 days ago. And if I remember correctly, it was Milner, Kabak was still alive then, and we had the old classic front three. But now, today we went back to Ginny in midfield with Thiago and Fabinho. And then more importantly, or most importantly, um, we're playing... I was going to say the two young centre-backs, but Nat is actually a bit older than most people think. But we went for Reese and Nat and Jota instead of Mane. I mean, what what, what did you make of the lineup? I think Nat's actually 48, isn't he, on the quiet? He is. <laughs> He's one of those, isn't he? He's Milner's uh, long-lost brother, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, twin. Um, but yeah, it's uh, when I saw the lineup, I think a lot of us are thinking very similarly had to have Fabinho in midfield. That was my first thing I looked for, is if Fabinho's in midfield, we'll manage. I I knew we'd concede today, you know, whatever we were going to play at the back, where we were going to concede, Man United are very sharp up front at the moment. We haven't got the options at the back. But for me, it's more important that we control that midfield area and have the solidarity there. So... Um, with Fabinho there, I, I, is the team I was hoping for, to be honest. I wasn't sure about Mane. His form has dropped off a cliff, hasn't it? So um, I wasn't that surprised to see him drop to the bench um, for Jota as well. So, yeah, looking at the starting lineup, mate, I was going into it weirdly optimistic, <laughs> considering the way this season's gone so far. I know. I'm never optimistic when it's an Old Trafford game as well. But, yeah, I was, I was happy Fabinho was in there. Was in midfield, um, but I mean, Dave. Look at looking at their team. I mean, we we see we saw them go weak in in the game on Tuesday against Leicester. 
and Barr, Mason, Greenwood, that was pretty much their strongest eleven. And, and Harry Maguire he was obviously injured, but anything particularly worry you from that team, uh, from their team, I should say? Uh, everything, everything. When when we play United, worries me. <laughs> I, I hate these games. The only time I enjoy them is right now, right in this moment when it's. The game has finished and all that nervous energy has just dissipated. Actually, Mo's goal, pretty much, you know, uh, that that was a period of elation. But yeah, you knew that they were going to pull out their, their full strength side. And so I, I just have to say, for, forget the fact of what impact it had on us, you know, chasing fourth. That lineup that United put out against Leicester is the most ridiculous thing. I, mm. I, I don't think I've ever seen a team chasing the league. I know they've got to play, you know, two games in, well, three games in six days, you know, so they played a couple of days before the Leicester game. But if you're chasing the league and there's a 1% chance that you can still win it, I, I think they just threw the towel in. Like, I, I don't recall in 40 years of watching football ever seeing that before. So, did did you see on Twitter the is it Villa podcast? They were talking about how this was United's chance to do a Leicester season. This was their chance to win the league. Because yeah, all, all the fawning over City, they're nowhere near the levels of the last four years, or even no, or Chelsea no, and, before. And so, they do bottle it. Hmm. You know, under pressure, they do bottle it. And so, I genuinely think if United had put the pressure on, you, you know. They had a chance. All right, if you were to stick a tenner on it, you'd still go with City, wouldn't you? But they had a chance. And then by picking that team on, on Monday, or Tuesday, they didn't have a chance. So not only was he resting the players, but they'd have been working on their drills and everything in the background. So, you know, it felt to me like Solskjaer just prioritised this game. And so, you know, they had their strongest side out. And yeah, I, I thought going into it, I thought, you know, Rashford, he always fucking plays well against us, always bloody scores. Cavani, mm -hmm. you know, he's doing all right, isn't he? So, and I was thinking that earlier in the day, I was thinking, I hope Klopp doesn't go with the the conservative option. You know, the, the, the big red button is put Fabinho at centre-back. You know, because he's he's kind mm -hmm. of a safe pair of hands, but then you lose yeah, the yeah. field. And we've been talking about this for the last five months that you just lose so much when you drop him from midfield. So actually, I was I was just delighted. I didn't really care that much about what United had to throw at us. What you know, which players they had in. Um, we knew it was going to be a really tough game, and they were going to put in their strongest side. But I just wanted Fabinho in that mid uh, midfield. But I was a bit scared at the back. But, you know, they, again, the boys have done really, really well. They've done all that we can expect of them. These are not, you know, these these are kids, all right. Nat Phillips is like 23, so, you know, mm -hmm. he's kind of a... But so is Lingard, he's about 27, so... Yeah, he's, been 20, he's been 21 for about six years now. <laughs> yeah. He's still got raw potential. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I was just really, really happy uh, that Klopp didn't take, you know, a safe option and go with Fabinho at the back. Mm. And, and Sam, I'll, I'll ask you this because we, we want to focus on Liverpool after this, but has Oli proved himself to still be a PE teacher? Because you look at, <laughs> look at how they finished the game. Like, they started with Pogba on the left wing, and I know it's kind of worked for him recently. 
But as soon as Rashford went to the left wing, they were such a better team, and Pogba went into midfield, and they were such a better team. Like, how, like, midfield's not our strongest position, especially with Ginny being played, overplayed, um, and Fabinho's kind of been in between uh, positions, hasn't he? You put Pogba in there, and he does re- he does quite well for the last 15, 20 minutes or so. And Rashford is on a tear for that last 20 minutes or so. But to, for them to start so conservatively, like, they have nothing to play for now. And he just smelt of PE teacher to me. <laughs> uh, you could smell it from there. What does a PE teacher smell like? <laughs> oh, you know. Don't, don't ask Dave. <laughs> yeah. He's got a dark past that explains that. That's for, me, that's for you and my lawyers to talk about. <laughs> put, put it this way. When I was in school, if you forgot your kit, the PE teacher made you do it in your pants. So yes. I, I don't think that's something that would happen these days, put it that way. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if the guy had a bit of that going on. But, um, yeah, with, with uh, to be fair to Solskjaer, right, not that I want to be fair to him, but that's the tactic that's really worked well for Man United this season. They've been dog shit in many first halves, but their last half an hour of games has been unreal. And they are... You know, they, what is it? They've taken like 31 points, I think I saw mm. the other day, from losing positions in the league. That's yeah. unbelievable. So the whole thing that they've based this season on is finishing strongly. So I think that's the way they were playing this game as well today. But one thing I will say is they might start giving a bit more credence to our argument now about how debilitating it is to lose your best defender. But they've been... Apparently, Neville, I didn't hear it, but I've seen some quotes knocking yeah, about it. He did. He did. And he said, like, oh, yeah, it's, impos- <laughs> it's impossible when you haven't got um, Maguire. But they've got ba- Eric Bailly and yeah. they've got Lind- Lindelof coming in. Two senior, solid centre-backs, you know, professional players. We've had Nat Phillips, who's been loaned out everywhere and was not going to be part of the squad. And a 19-year-old who was playing with Kidderminster, like, not long ago. So the difference is unreal. You know, we've lost Van Dijk class, you know, best in the world, in my opinion. I think that's proven even more so now. Joe Gomez, incredible partner for him. And Matip, incredibly underrated. Really good player for us as well. Great in the air, good on the ball. We've lost three, you know, and they've lost one today. And Kabak. And, well, does 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 Davies count? And yeah, Ben well, Davis, yeah. Quebec. Then when way. Henderson went centre-back, he also got injured. Mm. Um, Fabinho got an injury at some point. It's, yeah, it's been ridiculous. So for I think it's given them a tiniest taste of what we've had to deal with this season. And it just showed how important it is to have a regular partnership at the back. You know, that, that makes such a difference for the whole team. And without Maguire in the team, Man United have lost a bit of an anchor. It doesn't matter what you think of Maguire. I think he's a little bit underrated for, you know, he's not an £80 million player, don't get me wrong, but he's, mm-hmm. he is what they build this he's idea. There, but yeah, he's their best centre-back by a mile. He's, yeah. he's like the Tesco value, happy shopper version of uh, Virgil van Dijk. You know what I mean? Mm. He's, he's, he's their version. And... Today really does highlight the difference. So, you know, today, fair play, we got got to give credit to Phillips and, and Williams. They they did their best today and they worked their bollocks off. Uh, we, we all know the flaws they have, but they, they're all we have. And fair play to them. They worked their asses off today and the team 
thoroughly, thoroughly deserved that win today. Absolutely. I mean, we'll get to talk about Nat quite a lot in this game. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Um, let's get into the game events. And I mean, I do have like a page and a half of notes here, so we'll try and skip over a couple of them. <laughs> um, but Dave, starting with you, I mean, it, it's an eventful start to the game. I mean, we have a couple dangerous opportunities, two mins in. Um, Firmino tries to square it. I think it's to Salah, if I remember correctly. Um, and this is where we have the by handball. It's not handball, but it hits his hand when it goes underneath him. Mm-hmm. Um, then five minutes. Then a couple minutes after that, we have Allison being drunk for some reason and trying to pass the ball through people. Um, before their goal, how did you see the game going? I think. I I would love to say to you, Guy, that I was smoking a pipe, just chilling out and thinking, the guys have got this. This time last year, that that's what I felt. Uh, well, maybe not exactly this time last year. This this time last season, I, I just felt this team always had an answer to whatever problem was put in front of them. Whereas for the last five months, it seems to be the opposite is true. And I've got to admit, I was hurling a few obscenities at the at the TV when. When Bobby is clear through there, and, and it's not an easy chance, it's not you know a huge chance, but he has to pull the trigger there. And he tries to be cute and sort of plays it inside. And I, at that time, I've got a whole man's up here. I was thinking, oh, Bobby, come on. Enough is enough. You know, I'm, I'm sick of having a striker who doesn't score. And so I'm just glad you know we're not on a live feed here. So. <laughs> So yeah, I, I was I, I'm afraid when I watch these games, especially at Old Trafford, you know, for all the great teams we've had down the years, whenever we go there, that United just seem to step up their game, and uh, you know, it, it's it's a rare moment when we get a result like this. So yeah, I I think leading up to their goal, I do think uh, they they were kind of they had the better of the game. And I was just thinking, we we don't look like we've got any space. They they look like they're pressing us high up the pitch, and we we just can't find a, a way through or keep hold of the ball. And um, you know, when the goal came for them, I, I just felt like it was inevitable. Yeah, it was a bit of a a back and forth start in their in their goal. But before we get another goal, I have forgotten that this is actually a call-in show, and Gags has given me stick in the in the chat. So, Gags, I'll bring you in first. <laughs> oh my god! Guy, excited. You are getting so excited. Um, yeah, I don't mind going first. Part you were supposed to, but it's okay. I'll go first and just uh, just read. Oh my god! It's just such a um, unbelievable feeling. I don't think I felt like this after a. A Liverpool game for such a long time, it feels like forever, and it's really not been that long as in last season. But you know, winning there is just something different. And you've said it, you know, they they anything they didn't have anything in them really. There wasn't no fight from United, but who gives a shit? You know, who gives an absolute flying fuck? They 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 have done us over <laughs> most seasons here, and you know we we've been the best team. We've been the best team in the league by a, mile, by a mile. And when we've had the best team in the league and won 29 out of 30 and the one draw was here, that team couldn't beat them. But we've got 10 players out today and we've done that. And uh, yeah, we should be incredibly happy with that performance. To be honest, 
after a long time, it felt like a game that was a cup final, like a European cup final, it felt to me. The win was so important today that literally that last 45 minutes was make or break for the season. And we timed the goals perfectly to go in. And for it to be that big, you know, and feel like this, um, it's a shame. Obviously, it's a shame that getting top four means everything. But Jesus Christ, you know, that was something unbelievable. And it was really good to hold on for once because I thought we weren't going to win after Rashford scored. I honestly thought we're too, too much of a soft belly, you know, at the back end. We'll roll over at that point. But. They held on. They made some fucking unbelievable blocks, like um, um, Guy said to me uh, pre-post-match pod. That's weird, pre-post-post-match mm-hmm. pod. And, um, you know, I was saying that and Reese weren't the best, but they were vital in certain moments. And, you know, Reese is just a kid, so that's going to be massive for him. And, and then the final goal, I have to say, like I said, pod um, it was a goal where we could actually celebrate, you know, where in, a, in an era which has taken so much joy out of the game, one, there's no fans in the stadium, so there's no joy. Literally, you can't go and watch it. You can't hear them sing. You can't hear the fans. You watch any goal back now in, in time and you hear the fans or see the fans. You feel goosebumps. That is a, such a weird time to be alive. That type of stuff so much when it, we, we took it for granted and today we got to watch a goal we knew that it wasn't it uh, you know ruled off and we knew how big it was and we could jump off of our seats and fucking scream and then uh, old trafford on Eid. i mean could it be any more perfect than that it really can't so that's all I want to say, and you guys can discuss whatever you want, but it's been a long time since I came on this, but today couldn't miss it really for the world and bring some joy back to the season that really was deflating. And with all the stuff that's going on in the world, back home in India, you know, just we needed something to, to lift us a bit. So this is good. This is really good. So, <clears throat> yeah, fucking hell. And um, Eden Mubarak to everyone celebrating out there. So. Up the Reds. Absolutely. Moment, moment of the season for you, Gags? The, the celebration from Mo? Yep. Look at the relief, man. If we can go and win these three games, this will be, this will be the season that if we do something in the summer, guy, if we buy a big player, if we attract something that we never thought we could, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, this, is, this, this would be the moment, right? This would be the game, even. All of them. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, the two defenders, Trent was fucking exceptional. Mm. Exceptional. Like, that is like one of the best performances you'll see from him from the start to the end. But I don't want to steal the rest of the points of your pod. So, <laughs> talk about them all. But thanks for having me on, Guy. I'll be back very soon, I'm sure. No problem. No problem. Before I. Hello. There we go. How are you doing? I'm fucking awesome, mate. Firstly, <laughs> Eid Mubarak to everybody. Secondly, Wilmslow Road is going to be fucking quiet tonight because all the mics <laughs> are going to be sitting at home. They ain't going to be cruising up and down Wilmslow Road for shit. Because what they're going to celebrate? They ain't going to celebrate Mank loss. No chance. Not happening. 
They don't try to book. Just trying to block curtain buses in. Protecting the NHS. Right. I have a really simple one for you guys. So, and it's, and it's quite fitting, this, actually. This is really fitting. Because the last time I came on so exuberant, quite late, was Leicester away in 1920. And who was on then? That's on today. Uh, I don't know. Steve, why are you quiet, Steve? Oh, God. <laughs> no muting uh. now, Steve. Didn't he, he said he had to be away, didn't he? He had to be away? I think so. He... What the? Yeah, Honestly. he put it in the chat. He's yeah, he said... Honestly. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> he's ruined my moment, but you know exactly, what? Exactly, he's ruined it. I, I, I'll say it straight. We need momentum sometimes, and we need all need you to lift, right? It's been shit. Mm-hmm. Absolute shit, seeing our team do what they need to do and then capitulate at the end to take winning positions into draws. Look, that famous thing about clutching. <laughs> we used to clutch losses from the jaws of victory. Do you remember that feeling? And then we yes. started clutching. Then we started clutching draws from the jaws of victory. Today we went. We got the jaws of victory from fucking Castle Grayskull of all places. And then nearly let it go. So everyone shot themselves for 18, 19 minutes or so. I certainly did. Well, 22 minutes to be precise. I've never prayed so hard in my life. Only for Mo Salah to just make it all nice easy in the 90th minute. We live for these moments. I mean, I was there when we scored four. Last time we scored four against United. And the last time we beat United there. And also when we beat them on aggregate. Those are great feelings. This is a shame that fans weren't there to see it. Either United fans or Liverpool fans. Complete shame. But we've got a week and a half before fans are back in the ground and anything can happen. So my question to the panel is really simple. The anything that can happen, will it? We all know what it is. We all got to do it. Got three more matches to win. Three more matches. Chelsea have to play Leicester. What do you reckon, lads? I'm up for this. I'm up for doing it like this. You know what? Scraping through by the seat of our pants and, be, and doing it with the fans in the stadium. Because you can you imagine what it's going to be like against Crystal Palace if this is the way it goes. If we win this one, we win, sorry, we win against um, West Brom on Sunday, then we win against Burnley. Crystal Palace just sets up nicely. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Sam, I'll, I'll, I'll give that to you. I mean, what, what do you reckon for the rest of the season? I mean, top four securely back in our hands now as Harinda mentions we've got three winnable games we've got a relegated team Burnley who probably the toughest of the three and then Palace who tend to check out of seasons like worse than anyone in Premier League history yeah it it, it was all going to start today you know we we knew we had to get a result today I know some people were saying I think Dave mentioned we might beat Gable to get away with a draw, but I just think it was absolutely vital that we won today, um, considering the you know we've got a very winnable run in, and then also the win today, as you said, puts it in our hands. If we win the last three games because Chelsea and Leicester have to play each other. We will get the fourth place at the end of the season. Um, so yeah, are we going to do it? Um, West Brom away now on Sunday. God, we owe them one after that draw at Anfield. 
with their dodgy equaliser with a clear foul for the header, um, where you know it was the jammiest win ever for Allardyce. So yeah, we've you know West Brom away, Burnley away, and then we got a home game with the crowd for the last game. So you know if we can get these two away wins in a row now, bloody hell, yeah. So it's three three away games in con- consecutively, isn't it? Yeah. So if we can get the next two away wins in the bag, you know it, it's all there then, ready for the last game. As you said, mate, Palace seem to have switched off, but you know it, it is the Hodge, I suppose. So you never know. But um, to answer Harinda's question, are we going to do it? I have no bloody idea because <laughs> the point is, we all season the most wins in a row we've had is three, and to do this, it'll be five wins in a row to finish the season, which would be absolutely mad. But this has been the maddest of all mad seasons. And you know what? It wouldn't bloody surprise me. Anna, the, the roller coaster from being top of the league to, were we like eighth at one point or ninth? Pretty sure we were, weren't we? And then now top four is seemingly back on. I, I don't dare say we'll do it because it's like the title. You can't jinx it. But Dave, what are your thoughts on it? You know what? I'm gonna get off the fence. I think if this was any nah. other, uh, if this was any other club, if this was Spurs in our position, I, I wouldn't feel that comfortable as a as a Spurs fan. But you know what? When it comes to the crunch, so many times we actually pull through as a club, and I I can't really explain it. But the the kind of history and the the expectation of, of the club and the fans and the players and the management staff and everything, it, it just seems to pull us through when, you know, really we should be down and out. We, I think we're top of the form table at the minute in the whole league. I know it doesn't feel like it, you know, things <laughs> like the, the Leeds equaliser, the Newcastle equaliser, they feel like losses, but they're yeah. not. We have actually been doing pretty well. And I, I just think, you know, I look at Chelsea in particular and they, I, I think in particular next year, they'll be a proper force to be reckoned with. But they've got an FA Cup final coming up against Leicester. They've got the Champions League final coming up against Man City. I just think... A six-pointer against Leicester in the league as well. Exactly. And, and you know, Leicester have got to play Spurs on the last day as yeah. well. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's not going to be easy for them. I think there's a lot of potential for both of those teams to drop points. I just don't know which one it is. <laughs> and I just think we, we were so down and out. Um, you know, like you say, I don't know whether we dropped to eighth, but it was certainly very congested for a while. You know, it looked like, I think for a moment, uh, I'm sure Everton were about, there was something like a point behind us with three games in hand. <laughs> And then three games later, there was still a point behind us. Or it was something daft like that, you know. And and so things were looking pretty bleak. But you know what? Because it's Liverpool, I just feel like we can do it. And I might end up with egg on my face, but I really think we are going to do it. I can just edit that out. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> yeah. No, obviously, you know, it's all predictions, isn't it? But um, I just think because it's us. I think because the these players didn't become bad players overnight. We know what mm. the injury situation is, but 
you know, most of the injuries were at the back, but and then we suddenly forgot how to score. And so, mm. you know, we just went through this massive dip. And we were pretty unlucky as well. I think, you know, when you have a lot more chances than the opposition and you're still, you know, drawing games or losing games, then, you know, it's got to swing back the other way. So it's pretty much in our hands now, you know, I, I, and I think if we ultimately, if we don't win all of our remaining games, then we don't deserve it. It's as simple as that. Yeah, that's the absolute truth of it, really. If we if we can't beat them, well, let's be honest. I mean, one's relegated, and two have been in a well, Burnley been in relegation scrap all season, and Palace have been pointless most of the season. So absolutely, if we can't beat them, we don't belong in there. Um, but we do have another caller before we get back into the game event. Scott Chandler, are you that you good to go, Scott? I'm here, guys. That there was a lot go. of fun, huh? It was all right, wasn't it? Oh, it's a little bit stressful. Long time no talk. Good to mm. good to hash it out with you guys. It's been fun listening. I had a a quick one. You know, we were talking some of us during the first half. You know, it just it seems like throughout the season it's been tough watching some of these rivalry games. You know, the boys really haven't shown up, and maybe that's because their heads are down. Friend of the program, Justin Wells, said it was more confidence. I felt it was desire. Maybe it's both. Maybe it's lack of confidence. You know, leads to you know, them not being up for it. And that's the way it really felt early on part of the game. I mean, it felt like the loss against Everton at home. It felt like the weak loss to Chelsea at home. But it seemed like something finally kicked in. And you guys mentioned, you know, that celebration by Mo kind of said it all. You know, what the the emotions that these guys must have been going through. And it felt like for the first time in a long time, in a terrible ass season, it was nice to see that they were up for it. Pressing. They actually had some fight in them. So I'm curious to see if you guys felt, you know, it was that sort of relief as well, or if it's just, you know, you think it's more confidence or it's more more up for the fight. Yes, yeah, Sam, what, what do you make of that? It's a bit of both. Um, I'm on the fence a lot tonight, and I guys. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it is, you know, I heard Klopp um, talking. I saw something on Twitter, um, and he was chatting about the start of the season and he just said it started off with real bad luck and I think it it really did encapsulate the whole season in that Everton game where it was it was hard lines with the Van Dyke injury I think Matt Dip got injured and Thiago got injured mm-hmm. uh, all in the same game and I don't know if you remember how we started that game we looked absolutely ele- electric yeah. and I was so excited I thought Boys, we're we're gonna piss this league. We looked absolutely incredible. That's where it started. We we got away with it for a while, and another one went down. You know, Matt Dip. Matt Dip. He was talking about Matt Dip. Apparently, he was he was playing a lot with injuries and with a lot of pain, just because he was all we had. And then inevitably, he then broke down and and was out for the <laughs> season. So I think there's there's no doubt about it. We've had some bad luck, right? And that has then caused a severe lack of confidence. Um, there's always going to be a bit of a drop in desire. I think that's a good point, uh, Scott, regards to that. After winning the league, after all this time, and we never got to celebrate it properly, such an anticlimax. There's no crowds there. I think the motivation seems to have dropped off a bit. 
Um, I don't know if you've seen that little bit with Marnie there today at the end of the game uh, yeah. when the boys put it in the group and um, he seems to have had a bit of a falling out with, with Klopp over it that he didn't start and then his performance was absolute dog shit again when he came on. I thought I, I thought his performance encapsulated his his mood. Um, he was just giving the ball away really poorly. He was well, we were pressing like animals today. Mane only had to play twenty minutes, and he was like slowly jogging around the place. I was going nuts. I was swearing at the TV. It was pissing me off so much. So there has been elements of that, uh, Scott, definitely, where you've seen some games. And the desire didn't seem to be there. And I I don't know. Sometimes we can mistake a lack of, think it's a lack of desire. But when it's actually, they're just absolutely dead on their feet. You know, these these players are playing games week in, week out with pain, carrying injuries because the squad is so threadbare. We, you know, 10 injuries we were we had going into the Southampton game the other day. That's just, you know, unsustainable. So, I think it's a combination of all of them, mate. I can't say it's down to just one of them. I think it's a bit of bad luck at the start of the season, slowly eroding confidence, which has then gone down the toilet, and then maybe a bit of a lack of desire because there was no actual trophies available for us at the end. But, you know, a win at Old Trafford is something, if that doesn't give you a kick up the ass, where the actual carrot is now being dangled in front of us for Champions League football next season... And, you know, getting that is so vital because if we do get it, we can completely write off this season, forget about it, absolutely no harm done then. Next season, we can start afresh and there's no harm done. If we don't get in the Champions League, that's next season badly affected again. So, you know, that's why it's so, so important now that we get it sorted. Most importantly, I know it's a Thursday today, but I don't like working Thursdays. <laughs> Europa League could go issue. straight in the bin. <laughs> but if we if we win all the games on Thursdays, I don't know. Maybe you could twist my arm, mate. I don't know. I might be a good omen. Maybe just maybe, piss the Europa, nah. piss the Europa League. <laughs> nah, nah, bollocks to that. I don't care if we win every game. In Europa. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to be in it next season. I mean, that... they've changed the rules as well, haven't they? That they're not going to oh, make God. Champions League teams play the lunchtime kickoff on the weekends anymore. Oh um, yeah, I saw uh, that's that, what man. Klopp's Klopp's been asking for that for ages. And then when Liverpool finally probably aren't going to be in the Champions <laughs> League, they then go, "Yeah, we'll change it now." So yeah, <laughs> brutal. Oh, Christ, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, just avoid the Europa League either way. Happy days. Uh, Thursdays are a good omen. You can move the Champions League to Thursdays. That'll do me, Dave. Anything about on the um, mentality, confidence, etc. in the squad? Yeah, I think I. Uh rather horribly predicted after the Crystal Palace 7-0 that um, what Klopp had built up was just these mentality monsters. Remember when we used to talk about that? <laughs> and, no. <laughs> uh, you know, he'd built up that culture of the club, a bit like New Zealand. Uh, if you've read that book, Legend, absolutely brilliant. Just about building up that culture from the bottom up and just everyone, everything is about breeding success. I just feel like, you know, right, tonight's about celebrating, enjoying this victory. It doesn't come that often at Old Trafford. And, and, you know, even the good teams, you know, this team has done something great tonight. But we were fucked over so many times by VAR and dodgy refereeing decisions. And it just feels to me that, 
particularly with Mane, I'll hold him out as as the prime example that at some point he's just got so fucked off. You know, he's he's basically been manhandled, doesn't get anything. Then he tries a few dives. He's pretty terrible at that. And then somewhere in amongst that, he just kind of forgets that he's fucking awesome and just, <laughs> you know, he's lost it. And I just feel like it's almost like, you know, we were we were running on empty. We we were kind of coasting without the Van Dyke. You know, we, we had injuries, but everyone we brought into the team, it didn't matter. We still performed. But then just keep relentlessly getting these stupid decisions against us where you look at equivalent scenarios and, and there's another event tonight as well that I want to talk about. But, you know, you look at, other equivalent scenarios and the decision goes the other way. I think of the Joe Gomez penalty against Newcastle where he's trying to get his arm out of the way and it hit, the ball mm. hits his hand and it's a penalty. You know, the um, uh, penalty we conceded late, I think it was Brighton, wasn't it? Uh, the the Robo the clearance oh, one, yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like, are you fucking kidding me? Well, and Fabinho so- against Sheffield United. Outside yeah. the box one, is it? Uh... Outside the box and it was a clean pack. <laughs> we I just know. had so many of these things added to all of the... I mean, let's face it, for all the injuries we had, the Van Dijk one is is the huge one mm-hmm. uh, that I think mentally rocked everyone. But you you get problem on top of problem. And then Sam and I have been discussing for months now, you know, about not playing Fabinho at the back, the the fact that you're creating another problem in midfield by moving him back there. And, you know, just like say problem on top of problem, it's not really a surprise. And I think it's just like getting stuck in the mud. I think after we've lost that momentum and the belief kind of drains out of everyone, you know, that's when we went on a terrible run at home and, uh, you know, luckily we're, we're kind of out of that now. And I think, you know, it's been a proper test of character, not to go all Brendan Rodgers, but, you know, it has been a bit of a character challenge for us. I just think we're out the other side now. And, you know, we've got the momentum back. We've been spinning our wheels and we're out of the mud. And, you know, that that's what's going to take us over the line when it comes to it. Yeah, you mentioned mentality monsters at the start of that. I mean, it's still in there, obviously. We just don't have the... Well, we haven't had in the season the players to supplement the mentality, if that makes sense. Oh, Christ, that's probably not even the right word. It's late, I don't care. It's English, who cares? Um, Words. But thank you for that, Scott. We will get back into the game because we have a lot to discuss. (laughs) We've already done what? Well, we've not even done one goal yet. I mean, Sam, they score on 10 mins. uh, Bit of a... Cluster F from from us, really. I mean, uh, Wambasaka, who's a bit of a donkey, runs off the back of Ginny, I think it was, and then Fab kind of just lets Bruno wander into the box. Um, he's free. He takes a shot, probably just about going wide, and that I, t- I don't think you can blame that too badly. If it, if it's going in, he, it'd be wrong to not block it, but he he takes a swipe at it, and it goes in top bins. Yeah, it it was a great finish by Nat, to be fair to him. He absolutely twatted it in. <laughs> um, if that was at the other end, you'd be calling that a thunder bastard. It was a, it's a great finish. But unfortunately, he, he had a bit of a 50-pence foot in that instance. And he, 
terrible bit of defending, unfortunately. But you know, as you said, Fabinho didn't didn't do well himself either. He gave Bruno way too much space to let him have the shot in the first place. But you know, it it was a powder puff shot, really. Um, I think it was just creeping wide. But as you said, when Nat's in that position, he's got to do something about it, hasn't he? So, um, but the, the disappointing thing about that was, I think you touched on it earlier when we had that great chance early on with Firmino where Trent played an incredible ball through to him and he was through and he doesn't shoot. And you're like, mm. oh, it, it's so frustrating when Firmino gets in these positions, you know Salah's 100% shooting there, you know? And mm. um, it was frustrating for Firmino because he did the right thing in a way because it did get past the player and the player handballed it, but it was kind of an accidental one. So it's a bit mm. of a weird one. But then to go the other end, when we haven't won at Old Trafford in seven years, and to gift them the lead, I think every single Liverpool's fan's heart just hit the floor, didn't it? It was like, what more can this season do to us? <laughs> you know, what more can it bring? And that's, you know, that's the first 10 minutes of the game, mate. As you know, there's loads more to go nuts about <laughs> later on in the game anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, before we get to the penalty incident, Dave, I mean, we had a couple things. Uh, Ginny annoyed me because he didn't want to pass forward when I think it was Trent. I might be wrong. He was clean through on our right-hand side. Um, Jota had a chance again from an absolute delicious Trent ball. It was probably Henderson doing well more than Jota doing bad in that when he closed the angle really quick. Uh, and then the penalty incident. I mean, feel free to mention them over two incidents. But the penalty incident, we've kind of hit tiptoed around Anthony Taylor. But he's very shit at his job, isn't he? Yeah, I, I was just surprised uh, he didn't, I mean, he didn't get an opportunity to award United a penalty, did he? Uh, I, I think it's scandalous. I, I tweeted out as much a couple of days ago when it came out that Taylor was going to um, uh, was gonna referee this game. Within mm. sure, it's not, let's not call it South Manchester, it's fucking Manchester, right? Mm. Two of my daughters were actually born there. I, I, how he is allowed to referee this game is fucking beyond me and an absolute scandal. Fuck the Premier League. That that shouldn't be allowed to happen. Isn't the VAR ref from Manchester as well? Paul uh, Tierney, I think it was. Coot, isn't it? Or... I think it was Tierney, I think. Was it Tierney, was it? I don't know. All I'll have a Google bastards. while you're talking. <laughs> I think so, I heard, I think someone said it was Coot. Uh, unless he's it was the... Coot. They're all plat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've had a few bad run-ins with Coot as well, haven't we? So, if any of the listeners uh, Google it, then then fire it in the in the box. Um, so, yeah, for me, what what I don't understand is right when when uh, rewind back twenty years or whatever. If you get the ball first, and you, it doesn't really matter what happens after that. You've got the ball first, so if you take out the man. Actually, in my book, that's a perfect fucking tackle because <laughs> you've done two things. You've won the ball first and you've made sure, you know, you, the other player knows who's boss. Uh, Neil Ruddock, one of the absolute best at it. But in the modern game, it doesn't matter. It's all about momentum and making it dangerous for the other player. So if you just go straight through another player and you get, you've got the ball first... It doesn't matter. It's still a foul. 
And so I'm genuinely confused, even though I'm aggrieved as well, but genuinely confused about what the rule actually is. Because Baye got the ball first, but it was fucking dangerous. Mm. He's taken out Nat Phillips. So I don't know whether you do give an indirect free kick and send him off or, or what, but we have seen this season players mm-hmm. walk, you know, players given a red card for similar challenges and it just fucks me off and that you get this whole slowing down oh right it's like the offside lines you know they're slowing it down did he get the ball first the the question becomes the wrong question it's Mm. like why are the rules about momentum and you know being dangerous to the other player but when he's looking at the replay he's looking at if you got the ball first it's not consistent Mm. That that's my that's my main gripe because I think that sh- if if everything was consistent, I don't think that should be a penalty because I think that's quite similar to Fabinho's against Sheffield United that we just talked about a few minutes ago. He got the ball clearly. He did catch. Who the hell did he foul? Was it Jory fouled? I can't remember. Um, he fouled whoever. Um, he gets the ball clearly, like. It's uh, the follow-through is that, but it's still just the follow-through. He gets the ball cleanly. But because of all the penalties, not just for us, throughout the whole season where the refs have given this, like some, I know it got overturned, but um, Balbuena, the West Ham centre-back, got sent off the other day for a bad follow-through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, It's the inconsistencies of it, really. I think the fact that we, we, we named a few penalties there, but that Fabinho one against Sheffield United, that was given, and it wasn't even a peep made about it by PGMOL. I mean, we've had a, we've had a couple apologies from the PGMOL this season. And the fact that that was overturned so quite quickly as well, because that means there was doubt from the referee and whoever the hell was on VAR, whichever useless twat it was. Because um, it has to be clear... And obvious that it gets overturned. <laughs> but that's bollocks. And that's bollocks. Utter bollocks. It's absolute bollocks. It just is. Um, well, it, yeah, Sam. There was there was that example. Southampton um, was it Vestergaard on Jamie Vardy the other day. Great. Yeah, tackle. he got sent off. Yeah. Great tackle. Um, but his follow through caught the guy in the ankle. Red card. So mm. if that's the rule, it, you know you don't necessarily agree with the rule or whatever, but they they need to be consistent, and that is the issue we're having. Mm. Is then that happens in the box today exactly the same thing? The ref actually gives the penalty, so mm. they need something big to overturn it. Usually, unless it's Liverpool, it appears um, the overturns. We we are leading the league by an absolute country mile um, at the moment for VAR overturns against us. Um, so it's it's incredible, really, how they've come to that conclusion when they've got the rule book in front of them and everything. When they did exactly the same thing against Leicester in the Leicester Southampton game and decided that was a red card offence. How that, that one got overturned as well. So there's inconsistent yeah, in hindsight. The game. Yeah, <laughs> well, of course there is. So obviously there needs to be. I think what what VAR has done is it's really kind of shone a light on the laws of the game. And it's it's because we can go through things in such fine detail, it, it has really shown us where there are grey areas and where it does need to be clarified a little bit. Whereas mm. before there was video ref, 
it was just kind of accepted what the referee said, and that that was it. The refs they, are shit. They'll get some right. They'll get some wrong. And now yeah. it's like, oh, they've and got they, a TV replay and twenty slow motion cameras. It's like you should yeah. probably get them right. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, you know, they used to let it just be purely um, the refs' gut kind of decides mm. what happened, and it, and now obviously because of the technology, there needs to be firmer guidelines as to what is a foul, what isn't a foul, um, and what is a penalty, what isn't a penalty, things like that. So, you know, it's it's going to take a few years before they can really kind of streamline the situation. But I think, as you touched on just now, until they have better referees, um, which must, must be better training methods and things like that, we're going to continue to have these problems. I just think when there's a human error element to it, which there always will be, and I think there always should be, um, we're always going to have these kind of problems. Yeah, absolutely. Can I I jump in there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's getting better referees. I mean, if you you say to the Premier League, you know, just make better referees, Mm. they're going to look at you blankly. They're going to be like, well, we're, we're doing the best that we can. Make them fucking accountable. Mm. Get them in front of the cameras or mic them up like they do in Australia. Mm. Make them fucking accountable. Explain the decision. Explain to me why, you know, this particular scenario results in a red card and this scenario results in a drop ball. Mm. You get these former referees and they're kind of out of the club and they're, you know, well, they're kind of out of the club, but they'll still defend, you know, the decision. I think you need to make the referees accountable and help us understand what the thought process is there, because it just looks inconsistent. And the fact that they just hide behind this wall of silence is just so frustrating as a fan. Yeah, I think they need to make the rules themselves actual idiot-proof as well. Because there's so much subjectivity. Like I know you're a big rugby fan, um, Sam. Rugby league, of course, not union. Ah, oh, mate, <laughs> come on now. Come on, that annoyed me the other day. <laughs> uh, of course, it's union. Um, it's all but, union in some yeah, ways, mate. It is, but I think the difference between football and other sports is the subjectivity of the rules. Is, like... A two-footed challenge could sometimes be, well, maybe that's a bad example, but a, a slightly high challenge can sometimes be a yellow card, sometimes be a red card. There should just literally be a rule book that says, if it's this high, it's a red card. It, it's too subjective. It just really is. Like The only time it's black and white is offside, and the amount of bullshit that's caused this season, that's the one simple rule. So, yeah, I, I, I think refereeing yeah, just needs a whole rethink. It, it, sounds, it sounds like a good idea, but I don't know how realistic it is in in real life because there isn't there's always going to be some sort of gray areas because it's moving parts you know players moving Mm. in different directions it's happening really quickly i i don't think it's possible to kind of create rules which are you know Mm. cut and dried um you're always going to get decisions where half the pundits on the telly will think it's one decision Half of them will disagree and think the other way. You know, there's going to be calls like today's penalty, for example. I think Roy mm-hmm. Keane and Sunes, you know, one Liverpool, one Man U, saying penalty, mm-hmm. and then uh, I don't know who else it was. Uh, it was red no, no penalty. Yeah, red nap there. Liverpool, no penalty. Um, I I was always of the opinion 
because I used to foul a lot of people playing football, but because <laughs> um, I was too slow and I'd kick them by mistake. Um, if you got the ball first, um, as long as you weren't ridiculous with your follow through, like kick them in the face or something, you know, um, if it's natural action, then it's just it's a contact sport and comings together can happen. And sometimes you can have accidental collisions. You know, for me, that that's the part of the sport. That's the challenge. It's the if you've gone over the top of the ball, haven't even touched the ball, that's when it's a foul. So that's what I prefer. But if they're going down the route of the follow through, you know, if you catch them with the studs up, it follow through, it's a foul. Then be consistent with that. Don't just give it sometimes when you fancy it because you're from Manchester, you know. So yeah, that that's the bit that pisses me off. Do you not think though this is fucking easy to solve, right? So if you're on a quiz show. And sometimes the rules are your first answer is the answer you have to go with, right? So the referee makes a call. Unless it is blindingly obvious, and they say clear and obvious, but it's obviously they're just paying lip service to that. Unless it is blindingly obvious they have made the wrong decision, his first decision, the referee that is, has to stand and today, that would have meant a penalty. But because he can agonise over it, he can look in slow motion. Oh, did he get the ball? And it's subjective as well. I think if it's subjective, it goes out the window. Your first decision was the right one. And and the fact that they can slow it down, look at these replays, and they all make their own fucking minds up. And so it's completely subjective still. And and we're left questioning what are the fucking rules? How are we supposed to to understand them? You know, to to know what's going on. I I just think you have to somehow simplify it to to take away this nonsense. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But let let's move on. We've got a lot to discuss. Um, fortunately, Dave, I'll stick with you. I mean, the penalty's kind of forgotten about quite quickly. Because we do equalise soon after, I think it's like five minutes after. It's a jot goal. It's a Nat Phillips assist, which may be the most, most surprising thing of the game. But it is a saucy little back heel flick type thing from Jot. It's just a nice, nice little goal. It's beautiful, isn't it? I, I think the, the first goal of that type that I remember was uh, John Barnes. He scored it against Crew. It was an FA Cup game, uh, 4-0, I think we won back then, and just just inside. And, and, you know, we've seen lots of goals like that since, but um, I actually think Nat Phillips does really well there. And actually, Jota does well as well, because even before he scores the goal... He's just making himself busy. You know, he's taking out defenders and, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the Bolton Beresi, Nat Phillips <laughs> there is is weaving through, you know, like Messi. <laughs> and honestly, I, I think, you know, I, I do have a soft spot. And I know he's not a Liverpool player, but I just think he's done brilliant for us. Um, yeah, I, I must admit, I, my expectations of the game after the United's goal we're pretty low, and so to and, and especially when you know the penalty goes, you wait all that time. We did, we don't get the penalty. I'm thinking, oh, this is a fucking waste of time. At least I don't have to waste my life agonising over whether we're going to get fourth or not. And then, yeah, I thought Nat Phillips did really, really well to get that shot in, or, or just 
put it in the danger area. And then when you see the ball hit the back of the net, I must admit, didn't celebrate it straight away. I'm just waiting for, you know, not even the linesman's flag to go up, but VAR to, to rule it out or something like that. But when it's obvious it doesn't get ruled out, I'm like, right, fucking game on. Yeah, and that, that kind of sparked us because it was, it was not, I don't think it was basketballish before that, but it was untypical of these types of games because I think everyone goes into the Old Trafford game going, it's probably going to be nil nil one all. Whereas in this, you both these teams can't defend. <laughs> um, and it, it, it kind of proved that way. I mean, Sam, feel free to add on to um, our first goal. Um, but we get a second goal in the first half as well, and Bobby is getting a big, big header. And and Trent, um, we'll talk about him on the half-time whistle as well. But Trent assist and a, a Bobby magnificent nut, <laughs> M- magnificent nut. Yes. Well, the nice thing recently is that the the rules have changed locally for me, where we're now allowed to kind of bubble up with another household. So I'm now finally able to watch the football with my brother again, which is such a big difference rather than just watching it on my own in the house all the time. So we bubbled up with my brother's household. So watching the game today now, um, the way we felt when that Fernandez, well, it's an own goal really, went in. We just kind of, a bit like you, Dave, mentioned there, I kind of accepted the Europa League and we were kind of, we both kind of laughing and joking and we were singing the Champions League anthem, but with the word Europa replacing it um, and just kind of becoming comfortable with us being in that competition next season. And then as soon as we had the penalty decision go against us, the first thing I said to my brother was, I really hope this team doesn't start feeling sorry for itself now. Because that's exactly what we've been doing this season, I feel. We've been really screwed over with some of the decisions. I'm sorry, it's been a disgrace. Some of the de- And I know a lot of supporters say this about their own team, but we are actually objectively being screwed over with decisions factually. You know, when they check the stats, we are way ahead with decisions going against us wrongly. But the first thing was that. But I must say, it seemed to galvanise us, that decision. We just went bollocks to this, not today. And, you know, Nat Phillips, he seemed determined to try and get one back. And you, you do see that happening now and again. A funny twist of fate when a guy scores an own goal, he ends up chipping one in the other end. And fair play to him. He did the next best thing by, I think he tried to shoot. Um, Definitely. When, when it went, <laughs> I, think, I think he tried to shoot, yeah. But it went, it went through to Jota and it was a lovely little flick finish. So, yeah, fair play to him. But um, yeah, to the second goal, I, I said again. I turned to my brother when we had that free kick, and I said, "How bloody nice would it be now if we could nick a second just before half time?" And I was thinking, well, you know, we've been terrible from set pieces recently, haven't we? Like since Van Dyke's injury, mm-hmm. I think we've been really, really poor from set pieces, not even getting close to scoring. And much like buses, you know, the first goal was kind of from a set piece. Um, the second one also from a set piece. So two come along at once. And fair play. Trent's delivery today, first half especially, was absolutely unreal. So when he stepped up for that um, second goal, the cross to the back stick was absolutely perfect. Lovely little peel away from Firmino. And after that, you know, lack of confidence shown with his early on chance, I thought it was an absolutely 
lovely header with him, bullet header into the corner, nothing the keeper could do. And then all of a sudden, somehow, the Reds have turned it around. And Dave, we continued the turning around after half-time. We, we had another goal. I mean, Bobby with a lovely dink after a trench shot that Henderson spilled, really. But, I mean, firstly, do you reckon Bobby scores that without the first goal? Because it may look like a tap-in, but he does have to dink. I think he kicks it into the ground over Henderson, if I remember correctly. Like, probably any other point of this season, he probably just kicks it straight back at the goalkeeper. It's like a, a nice, confident finish. Yeah, I, th- I think he passes it, to be honest, with that, that first goal. Um, I, I agree with uh, the 2-1. Such a great delivery. And, and to see, you know, it was intelligent movement to, to get away, to get free at the back post and, and knock it in there. Um, great bit of pressing, you know, twice, because... United looked like they'd adverted the danger. We we pressed them, and then you know we we won the ball. But then United got a foot back on it, and I th- I thought they'd play it away from there, but they kept trying to play it out, and we just pressed them again. And uh, it, it was just a brilliant. It, it was like the old us, wasn't it? You know the proper mm. Gengam pressing days, and and it was seventeen eighteen. Beautiful stuff. Exactly, exactly. No defending, just vibes. <laughs> just absolutely. You know, Lalana running around like a headless chicken. Um, yeah, but it was great. And yeah, I must admit at that moment when he pops the second one in, and I'm fucking up on the ceiling like screaming my bollocks off thinking yeah i feel like a bit of a twat because i was calling bobby all sorts when he didn't shoot in the first ah, few minutes <laughs> <laughs> but it was a, it was a really nice goal just in terms of of pressing the ball um again you know a lot of teams do it now they try and play through the press don't they i think united mm. to be fair to them you know i, I don't think this is a great united side but no. they do try and pr- play through the press um whereas i think when Solskjaer took over to be fair it was still the Mourinho side and they, mm. they were quite happy to lump it forward and, and bypass the midfield so yeah just absolutely delighted it, it's the old cliche isn't it but scoring right before half time is just such a great time to score because basically you fucked the opposition the opposition manager because he had in his head what he was going to say to the players when he got into the dressing room and now he's all that's gone out the window I to really think quickly about okay do I change anything do I stay the same do I just give a pet talk or or what have you so yeah just a brilliant kick in the nuts um just before half time and I think it really helped getting that goal after um you know because they United were always going to come out firing in the second half and so to get that goal early um certainly did a lot to calm my nerves um and I'm sure sure a lot of other people as well yeah absolutely Sam <sighs> It was it was a strange game after that. one. It's a different scoreline, especially when it it's us. We kind of and, and United they're the comeback kings this season. As we as we mentioned at the start of the pod, uh, Jota then hits the post, and he should probably do better. But after that, Rashford. This is after the subs I mentioned in the uh, I was like he teacher, but um. But they they go up and score. Rashford's down on the left wing, and he, he looks revitalised. They look a lot more threatening. 
it, it goes to three two. I mean, what, what's your thoughts then? What What am I feeling like is going to happen? My My ass is twitching. My heart is about to explode, and I just can't take it anymore <laughs> at that point, mate. To be honest, is it was exactly like the Newcastle game where I could just feel a goal coming and. Um, it was one of those ones, as soon as Jota had missed his chance and it hit the post, you just felt like it wasn't going to go smoothly from there on and you knew there was going to be a bit of a sting in the tail. But um, did you guys notice with Rashford's goal that it actually clipped, I think it clipped Robertson? It when it went, it, 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 went, yeah. it went through his legs and actually Robertson's touch knocks it in. So I think today, if they actually do do a dubious goals panel after the fact still, um, that would be two own goals that we'd be looking at <laughs> against us today. So, you know, just to add to all of our... It's, it's been a typical day of misfortune in that sense where it's come off two of our players to, for both of their goals. We've had a penalty given and a very, very rare overturn for not much given against us as well. We've hit the post... Um, all of these things gone against us, and we've still come away with a win. So, um, yeah, it, you know, Man United, they're good at getting up the pitch really quickly. Like sometimes today, we had everyone back looking, you know, we should, in theory, be quite comfortable. And they just, Fernandez would play like a 60 yard ball wide. Um, I think it was when Greenwood came on, and he just kind of went wide, and they just pick him out. And all of a sudden, we're. we're panic stations and it was mm. like four on four so I just think it's the Man United tactic as they've just been putting numbers up top in the last 20 minutes of games I don't think it's rocket science what they're doing and they're getting them to to develop little one-on-one situations against defenders and because the likes of Rashford are such good dribblers and Greenwood's good as well that it, it causes carnage and it causes teams to panic and it's been paying dividends for them. So I just think it was inevitable. There was going to be a bit of a sting in the tail from Man U, but I really thought we did weather that storm really well. Yeah, we certainly did. I think on Jones, didn't we? What time did we bring him on? We brought Jones on for Vinealdum and then Man Hesitant <laughs> was pretty shit when he came on um, about the 74th minute. That seemed to kind of kill the game. I can't remember them having too many other chances after that. We obviously did. Um, but Dave, I mean, before Moore's moment, we did have some um, chances. I mean, Moore had a counter-attack. He just shot over wide. Um, Trent did another filthy pass. It may have been offside. I didn't really show a uh, replay properly. Mane did that bad touch, and then Henderson did quite well with an outstretched leg, if I correctly. And then here's ref noncery moment number two of, well, probably number 50 of the game, but the big moment number two of the game. It's Scott McTominay gets booked, and then two seconds later, he rugby tackles Mane. Oh, I think it's just on the edge of the box, so it would have been a free kick rather than if I remember correctly. But I, I don't know how a player rugby tackling someone, and I genuinely mean rugby tackle, like hands around the wa- arms around the waist and all. It, it's just incompetence at the highest level. I mean, uh, to be forgiven, and at best, it's incompetence, isn't it? But mm. at worst, you, you can't help but feel conspiracy. You can't help but feel like, well, you know, or, or you've heard, heard 
you know, commentators and ex-players in the past say, oh, they don't want to ruin the spectacle. Again, the laws are the fucking laws. You know, he should have gone. And again, I, I come back to this thing of accountability. Get him in front of a camera. Explain yourself. Why did you not send him off right there? Because you clearly, right, you were going to book him. And then mm. you realize you'd already booked him. And it's like, oh, yeah, but it's not really a sending off. The laws are the fucking laws. That's what we want. We want consistency. And, you know, we we didn't get that. So, again, after the Rashford goal and after, you know, he clearly should have gone off, this is when, you know, I'm sure my arse and, and uh, lots of people up and down the country watching this game who are Liverpool fans are twitching like a rabbit's nose because you're just thinking, I can fucking see what's happening here. Right, we've seen this story play out many times before. We're going to concede an equaliser, and at worst, you know, we're going to lose the game. So, you know, again, this is my low point <laughs> when he should have clearly got sent off there. And again, I, I just think it's so frustrating. You know, all the little nonsense things. You know, with the the whole thing with VAR coming in is to try and you know get that absolute answer. You know, get. You know, make sure the rules are, uh, uh, you know, adhered to properly. And it just, it's created more, uh, more nonsense, more, more uncertainty in doing that. So, yeah, for me, just, yeah, it, it was utter bollocks. And, and again, I still come back to the fact that Taylor should not have been refereeing this, refereeing this game. You know, you have a, a, a fucking um, referee from Birkenhead even, you know, let alone Liverpool managing mm. a game for Liverpool against Man United. I, I don't understand how it's allowed to happen. Well, imagine Mike Dean refereeing this game. I know he's, he's evidently a Tranmere supporter, but it's still Merseyside. Yeah. It just wouldn't happen. It's stupid. There's, no, there's literally no referees from the south of the country. <laughs> it's, it's... I know. And it's mental. like, what, what are you trying to save on petrol expense? <laughs> you know, there's no fucking. Hey, mate, it's a pandemic, mind 45p a mile these days, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot of cash. Get him an electric car. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I know, mate. But I, I totally agree with you, Dave. That type of refereeing decision is the, the pits, is my absolute pet hate, where the referee context of the game rather than the decision in front mm. of them. Like, that's the equivalent of a clear red card challenge happening in the first minute of the game. And they don't want to give it because it's so early in the game and they don't want to spoil the game. Bollocks to it. You, If it's a red card, it's a red card. And he didn't want to give the second yellow because it happened so quickly after the first yellow. But he, he clearly rugby tackles him. He's, he's through potentially... At, towards goal, Manny, even though with his current form, it's probably going rosette. But, um, yeah, you know, it, it's the most obvious foul ever. You know, it's it's the rugby tackle is the equivalent of the shirt pull. When they pass you, you shirt pull, standard yellow card, without fail. You always got to give it. So that was a real bottle job by the referee. And as, as you said, Dave, it's either incompetence or he, he's, he's done it because he's trying to think of the context of the game and doesn't want to spoil it. Give him the red card. He's just done a professional foul. 
second yellow, goodbye. So yeah, it frustrating. But I think I think we've done more than enough on referees now <laughs> in this game. Exactly, exactly. And Sam, I will stay with you for. I mean, there was a shot afterwards, but we can't be asked talking about that. It's Mo Salah. And dare I say, Mo Salah was having a bit of a bad game. I mean, he was like inches away from having like a 10 out of 10 game because he was doing all these fancy passes. But there are always like a foot behind where they were meant to be. But he, he came up at the end and scored that 1v1 where Dean Henderson was probably closer to the corner flag for some reason. <laughs> um... Uh, yeah, Mo Salah gets a goal in the, in the last minute just to ease the pressure. Yeah, I think a bit harsh on Salah there. I think he he ran his socks off. He pressed really well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he did show some real bits of quality, like the I think it was the breakaway for Jota's chance that I'm thinking of, where he yes, I think gives it there. gives it inside to Bobby first touch. Bobby takes a nice little touch, then puts it wide to Jota. Um, I think it was Trent that played in down to him on the wide on the so, wing yeah. at the time. That was probably our best move of the game. It was it was a lovely, lovely counter attack, and it's something we've really lacked recently. So for me, even though you know it wasn't one of his best games. Um, I think there were glimpses of real quality there today and a bit of a sign that we're starting to find a bit of our mojo going forward. Like, mm. I think we had we had over 3xG at Old Trafford today and Ooh. I think Man U were like one point something. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it that is very, very good for an away game, um, especially for us this season. So, and, and incidentally, 30th goal of the season for Salah. So, you know, that's, Absolutely fantastic. But, yeah, the goal itself, um, fair play to Curtis Jones. He'd not long come on and he played the first-time pass. Mm-hmm. I, I was screaming at the TV. And then, initially, my brother thought he was offside, Salah. And then he was like, oh, no, he's in in, he's in his own half. And then, because he was so clear, it was ridiculous. I don't think I've seen Salah that clear on goal since, was it the Arsenal game when they were doing a... Yeah. Uh, they they did a clip from the kind of dressing room or well, like the entrance. Think, of the yeah, pitch, that's the, yeah, yeah. And they just showed him running just completely on his own. Wasn't that um, his, that was like his second game for the club or something, wasn't it? Oh, I don't know. Pretty sure it is. I don't know about that, but yeah, streaming away with no one anywhere near him. Well, that's what it reminded me of today. And fair play to Salah, he showed load of composure. Um, totally agree. Henderson's got to close the the angle there, you know, for for the jot the chance earlier in the game where he kind of got a toe to it. Henderson did brilliantly then and closed it completely down. So mm-hmm. even when Jota got there first, there was only going to hit his body. But for some reason, Henderson lost his bearings a bit and left like three quarters of the goal open for Salah on his left peg. So uh, yeah, if he didn't put that away, I think he'd uh, <laughs> need to shoot it. So. Um, Brilliant. I, I was just so happy to get goals for the strikers. Bobby, his first league goals since January. I think, was it the winner against Spurs, if I remember right? Yeah, that, um, that rings a bell, yeah. That was, that was around January. January so it was. My, yeah, I don't know if it was the Spurs game. That's completely off the top of my head, that. So, um, good guess if I'm right. Um, but yeah, so more than do a, a goal, Bobby, in the league to get to... Absolutely fantastic. Jota with a goal. You know, he was six games without a goal before today as well. He's been misfiring a little bit in front of the goal. 
great for him to get on the score sheet and then Salah as well. So really, really bodes well now. If we can get Mane on the score sheet against West Brom and, you know, sweep that little minor argument with Klopp at the end, I think that's purely... He scored last year, if it's fair. Yeah, yeah. I just think that's passion, guys, to be honest. It's... um, we we get that a lot, you know. Salah's been substituted and he's kicking bottles and pissed mm. off on the side. You if if they're not pissed off and not playing, there is there is a problem with passion and maybe Scott's Ultra right. colder and club. That's a bit of a it's naughty yeah. step. That it's yeah, they they'll fix it. It's probably yeah. already. It's to be honest, it's already sorted. I'd imagine uh, it's one that Klopp doesn't let things like that fester. One thing Klopp does really well is speak to his players. So there's no doubt about it. That will already be put to bed. So uh, nothing to worry about there. But yes, the strikers are starting to score at the vital time. Let's go and smash West Brom. And that is pretty much the perfect end to the match proceedings type thing. But Dave, I mean, we've kind of hinted at it all game. But in terms of man of the match, for me, it was pretty clear it was Trent. Yeah. It's not even a contest, is it? I thought after that first kind of 20 minutes or what have you, you know, before we actually got the equaliser, I I thought we looked all over the place. We didn't look like we could find our passes. We were passing it straight to them. United were pressing us and, you know, we just couldn't find a way through. Um, But after that, I think every player did step up a level. Um, I thought, uh, I didn't think Fabinho had his best game. I was happy yeah, was to see bit... him in midfield, mm. but yeah, he was a bit ropey, wasn't he? You know, mm-hmm. maybe not quite fit maybe, but Tiago, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought he, he was, he was pretty good. After Bobby's initial faux pas with not shooting and whatever, obviously he's got a couple of goals there. Can't argue with that. He doesn't do that that often. Um, Salah, I think, for me, at the minute, there is no question about player of the season. I think Mo has maintained uh, that high standard when others have dropped. Um, But in terms of this game, in terms of making a difference, it's just no contest at all. Uh, It's got to be Trent. Um, and, and the one thing I'll say just about Mo's goal at the end there, it was great to see him score there. It gave me the same feeling. Do you, do you ever remember when David Ungo, you know, he's not, not looked at, looked back at that fondly, but legend, you know, he, he was through one-on-one with David De Gea and, ever, and it was one nil and we were backs to the wall for ages. <laughs> and, and then he was one-on-one and you're like, Oh, don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> the, the net bulge. And it's just like, Oh, I'll fucking get in you legend. So, it, it gave me that feeling, but Henderson was almost like, have you ever tried playing the goalkeeper in FIFA? It's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible, isn't it? You, you just can't find the positioning, and that was like Henderson in that moment. <laughs> he, he just had no idea where he was supposed to be. So, yeah, although I think Mo would have had a good chance of scoring anyway, mm-hmm. I think Henderson made it really ob- obvious where he should stick it there. So, yeah, anyway... Definitely Trent's man of the match for me. Southgate was there, and I still think you absolute cock if you think the likes of Trippier and Co. He's got to come away looking at Aaron Rod Bissaka, isn't he? Fucking Bissaka. You know what I mean? It's just like, 
I, I'm glad, you know, if you mm. want to leave him at home because he doesn't do his defensive duties according to the media narrative, um, then that's great. Keep him fresh for us. But you're a fucking bellend and an mm. average manager and also a PE teacher as well. Probably smells like one as well, the bastard. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, Trent, it's not, it's not like the prime Philip Lama ahead of him as well. It's Kyle Walker and Kieran Trippier. Like, that, that's the main thing there. But hey. fucking banned for ages. I, I, I'll never this, understand. This is a manager who picked Eric Dyer, so we won't get in the England. <laughs> uh, we'll get in the England. Uh... Sam, same for you, man of the match for Trent. 100%. You know, what a performance from Trent today. Um, he's one of the few players in the whole league that can deliver a ball like that. I think it's, it's pretty much him and De Bruyne who have got it in their locker to do the type of things he was doing today. Uh, just unbelievable, undefendable passes. And, you know, yeah. it, it's pretty laughable when people were putting stats up going, he's given the ball away more than any player has this season. And, and kind of putting him down. He, his, no stats, <laughs> his, stats, his stats are exactly like that every season and have been when he was getting like, what was it, 15 assists in a season or something ridiculous? Exactly the same thing. It's because he's trying the killer pass all the time. It's pretty simple. And you've got to be pretty dumb to think, oh my God, his passing stats, he only had 70% uh, conversion rate. And Nat Phillips had... 90%. Well, it's because he's playing four-yard passes instead of 54-yard passes. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, today really, really highlighted what a special player Trent Alexander-Arnold is, you know. He is mm. he is going to be an all-time Liverpool great if he keeps up the way he's going. You know, he's, he's had a lot of criticism. Defensively, there has been issues. I think he did some really good defending today as well. Last ditch, um, quite late on in the game, they tried to release Rashford again and he slid in and stopped it. And I kind of punched the air then. That was kind of like a, felt like a goal when he did, did that bit of defensive work. So, yeah, I thought he was you know, really good defensively. But it's when he's on the ball, the quality he has on the ball is, is the best we have in our whole side. Um, and for a 22-year-old guy, that's incredible. So just... it. it it makes you think, how good can this kid be eventually? He's he's going to be unreal. And the fact that he's not even in the England squad, as you said, guys, is absolutely laughable. But I hope I hope he doesn't go into the Euros now. You know, I, oh, I, I hope no. I, I hope he just says, yeah, okay, you've had your chips now, Southgate. I'll I'll see you next year, type of thing. Um, I imagine they're going to come crawling back and still take him because he's he's unreal at the moment. Um, so. Yeah, def- definitely Trent for me. You know, I think Thiago had a good game today, in my opinion. I think Fabinho did some good work, but as you said, it wasn't his best, but I think he did some really good work, as he always does. Um, quite unnoticed stuff at times. And Wijnaldum was a bit of a weird one, Wijnaldum. I think he really tired after about an hour. Um, but first half, he, he was breezing past the Man U players like they weren't even there at times. I don't know where that pace came from, you know? So um, I think we... we a lot of candidates today. I think, you know, for me, no as well to get two goals. So happy for him. But, yeah, un- undeniably for me, Trent, uh, man of the match today. It just speaks volumes when someone gets two goals and it's still your right back. Let's get in on just be man of the match. So, 
Who yeah. thought that? But yeah, I think Trent is easy. I think he's probably been our best player this half of the season. That's probably my shout. Whereas yeah, more, more overall, but I think Trent in the second half has been... My, my brother was pushing for him to have man of the match this uh, player of the season this season. And I was like, oh, it's got to be more. You know, he's he's mm. had his thirtieth goal today for crying out loud. That's just in a season where we've been mm. absolute dog shit. And you know, he's probably had less quality ball this season than he has in previous seasons, and he still yeah. managed to notch thirty times. You know, come Absolutely. on, it's he's, he's undeniably our player of the season. But Trent, does he still qualify as a young player as twenty two? I think he does. Well, Jesse well, Lingard does. Did anyone else hear Martin Tyler see the, um, say the emerging Aaron Wan Basaka, who is a year older than Trent? For fuck's sake. Uh, emerging. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's Christ. amazing. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think is it up to twenty three? Is that is that one is if they turn twenty three are they officially old? I don't know. I think it's up to like twenty eight in the Premier League. I'm sure I'm sure Scott Parker won both of them and he was seventy five at one point. Yeah. We are we are so lucky to have a player like that. And and you know, I look at the delivery that he puts in and David Beckham Right, he's a bit of an England legend, but you know the the balls that Trent puts in, I think are equally as good. All right, Trent doesn't score the direct free kicks quite as much, but he's a fucking right back. He's the best right back. I, honestly, I thought for years and years, I thought Rob Jones was the best right back that I'd seen. You know, just in terms of pure pace, defending, but offering a, an attacking option as well. But Trent is completely different. He has redefined what it is to be a right back. Um, you know, he he is just an absolute Rolls Royce. And the fact that he's twenty-two, I just keep mm. saying it out loud, it is ridiculous. Because he is he's the finished article now. Mm. I, I don't know what his his upper level is, where he's gonna plateau. If his defensive work, and I'm not saying defensive work's bad by any means, but if his defensive work ever matches attacking output, he's going to be the best player ever existing. <laughs> that is kind of hyperbole. Hyperbole, Christ, why can't I speak? Because um, <laughs> it's fucking uh, late. On it, is it is late. <laughs> it is. This is the Europa League preview podcast. Um, oh, don't fucking say it. <laughs> but yeah... Um, but hyperbole, I'm just going to give up on that word. Uh, do you remember when... Hyperbole. Hyperbole. Do, do you remember when, um, when when it used to be Trent and Gomez, we'd swap, you know, because if we needed yeah. to defend, we'd play Gomez. And we didn't really trust Trent to play it right back. Mm. That's that's not a question now. All right, he has mm. the odd brain fart. Like, against Real Madrid, I have no idea what he was doing. But that is very, very rare. I think generally, mm. you know, when he comes up against, you know, good wingers, he, he he does an adequate job. All right, he's not world-class in that area. But, you know, for a team that is you would think is mostly attacking, then there's none better for me. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. 
Um, I mean, the only scary thing about that is you had Rob Jones, my best right back in my supporting lifetime, is probably our below us. <laughs> so it's been a, it's not been, it's not as bad as the left back position, but it's not been a great position in my supporting lifetime. Uh, dear, but we'll he, he finish. Was good. I, I like he was, I like that below. Not, not even shit Marcus Babbel, not even going back a bit before. Uh, right, 2001 was probably his peak season before he got ill, wasn't it? And yeah. 2003 yeah, was probably yeah. my first season. So he was probably... I can't remember if he'd left or... He not, was not Glenn Ill. Johnson then? No, because he was shit. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was all right for a bit. But he did take and then he, he shaved his, his cornrows off and his power just went. Um, <laughs> it was between him and Klein, which is a sad state of affairs. But we'll get out of here. Um, Dave, anything to plug? I know you've got your uh, comic book stuff. Uh, yeah, you can get me at Comics in Motion. Um, got a different show out every day covering all things from TV and movies to actual comic books and what have you. On the VHS Strikes Back as well, we've, uh, what have we got? We did, uh, we did True Romance, uh, Quentin Tarantino written, but Tony Scott uh, directed movie there starring uh, Christian Slater. And Patricia Arquette, absolute classic. I must admit, I've not watched that for ages, for, for years and years, but it really ages quite well. And we're doing, um, what are we doing next week? Oh, very slick, Dave. Hold on. Mm. We are doing Point Break, which is oh. the template for classic. Fast and Furious. Honestly, Fast and Furious is basically Point Break with cars. <laughs> so yeah we go and do that next week and and that's that's a lot of fun so yep get me there and and cheers for having us a great speech to you again guy it's good to speak to you sam honestly we've gone through months of this you know where we we join these shows and it's been shit hasn't it this year this calendar year and it, it's so it's so joyous to actually be on when uh we can celebrate beating the scum Oh, mate, it's it's really felt like we've gone through some sort of trauma this season, doesn't it? It's been quite the ordeal. So yeah, we we've we've gone through it together. Uh, three games left, mate. We're nearly there. Absolutely. And Sam, anything for you to plug before we go? Uh, just a couple of quick stats for you. Um, Andrew Beasley tweeted a quite interesting one earlier, saying that Bobby Firmino is the top scorer in the Big Six league games over the past four seasons if you exclude penalties uh, because Salah's the, the top scorer then but uh, he said Bobby needs the love so um, yeah Bobby big game player I think that's uh, big that's game fair. Bobby love it big big game Bobby and the other one I just wanted to say quickly uh, Michael Reed tweeted saying most goals in the first 200 appearances for Liverpool in all competitions uh, Mo Salah's had 124 goals in his first 200 appearances in all competitions, that is the same, the same as Robbie Fowler and one more than Ian Rush. Um, incredible stuff from Salah. So uh, weirdly still has doubters out there. Um, consistency personified from that guy. Um, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'll have a bit of banter on there. Uh, my username is at Sambo Evans. Up the Reds. Come on, guys. We've been waiting seven years for that. Absolutely, and for me, it's at Guy Drinkle. My Twitter will just be full of my from the few days till the till the West Brom game. But that is me. Um, thank you, everyone, especially those listening live. Um, and I I said it last time. Nina might be back. It might be me. 
Probably Nina, because it's in the afternoon. Um, but yeah, thank you, everyone. Goodbye. Podcast Network.